I'll say good morning and we're going to make a start to our time of worship as we sing together 196. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly while the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. psalm for today is 141. Let's hear God's word as we come to seek him in prayer. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense 
and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, then shall hear my word. They shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have led for me and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, whilst that I withal escape. Let's bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Our God and Father, we come before the presence of the Almighty today in Jesus' name. We seek to bring ourselves to thy feet in worship. Look upon us in your mercy. Meet with us here in this house. Let the God of glory and the immensity of his presence fill this building that we might be aware that God is here. The hymn writer said, God is here and that to bless us with the Spirit's quickening power. We pray that that will be so, that we will know the quickening power of the Spirit of God in all of our lives. We confess our sin. We confess our worldliness. We confess our, our lack of zeal so often for Thee. We confess the coldness of our heart, the lukewarmness of our spirit. We confess, Lord, how far short we fall of what we ought to be for God every day. But we come, Lord, to a God of great supply, and we pray that thou will pour in the oil of joy for gladness today, that your people might be alive unto God, that we might be here to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Cleanse us in the blood of the Lamb. Make us fit for this hour. Oh God, we pray that we will learn of thee. We thank you for this opening hymn. The hymn writer was able to get to that place where he spoke about Christ being all that he wants. And we pray that our Savior will be our chief desire in this life. We know that the heart hankers after many things. But Lord, we want the thirst of the soul that, that hankers after God. We want that thirst that <clears throat> David speaks about in the Psalms when his soul panted after God. Oh, Lord, create such desires in us. We know that they do not come from the natural man. Our natural man is set upon self and the things of this world. But, oh, God, when you quicken us by the Spirit, the renewed man, the man that's in Christ, Lord, you can create that desire for us. Give us a soul thirst for God today in this meeting. And may we not be disappointed as we reach out to the Lord, as we seek to meet with Him, hear from Him in the Word. Lord, may we leave this place knowing that God has spoken. We would count it a great disappointment if we came to church and we left just the same way. Lord, we know that this is a valuable time, an important time for the people of God. We have been called to worship. The Lord has commanded us to his feet. He's commanded us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're here in obedience to God. But Lord, we don't want to leave the same way we come in. And so we do pray for the manifest presence of God. We pray for the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and draw us out after the Savior today. Bless our congregation. 
You know the needs of every family. There are those and they're struggling today. Lord, you know their circumstances. You know the detail. Even when those things are absent from us and from one another, Lord, you see us as we are. You know exactly what we go through. The eye of the Lord is upon the righteous. And we praise thee that his ear is open to our cry. And in the midst of our need, we can cry to God. We can come to his presence. And he hears us. And he intervenes on our behalf. We know that. Lord, come speedily to your needy people. Whatever the the need is today, Lord, you know it. You can identify it and meet your people at the point of their need. For the sick ones and those that are struggling with health, those that are in pain this day, we commit lovingly to the Lord. For any who sorrow, the passing of loved ones comfort their hearts. Bless the mission. We look back over two weeks and, Lord, you've been there night by night. You've helped us through every single meeting. want to acknowledge the goodness of God at the mission. You've brought our people in to support the mission so well. And, Lord, the unconverted have been there. They've listened to the gospel. And, Lord, we do believe that there are some that are troubled among them. As we come to the final night tonight, oh God, visit us with a real sense of your presence. Visit us, Lord, with your mighty power. Change lives. Transform families. Intervene, we pray, and save the lost that we've been praying for. You've brought them in night by night. Lord, the end of the mission, don't let them leave without the Savior. May this be the day, this very Sabbath, this very date, be the day of their conversion to Christ. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Very warm word of welcome to the congregation and to our listeners on the internet. We bid you all uh, welcome in the Savior's name. He's visiting with us, uh, and I know David's father's here, traveled from Lisburn, and we bid him welcome. I trust that you'll feel very much at home with the congregation here. Do you remember the final night of the gospel mission this evening, 7 o'clock in the town hall? The prayer meeting is essential. You can get there at half past six. We'd appreciate your uh, prayerful remembrance as we gather together to seek the Lord. Pray much for the meeting. The Hebron choir will be singing this evening. I'll be preaching. May the Lord direct our way in every detail. You maybe saw this on social media media, so get it out there if you can share it in any way. Let people know that the final meeting is tonight at 7. Now, Monday night is a special meeting in Dungannon. I didn't look at the list today, but I know last week there were were a few names on it. There would need to be a good deal more if we were to provide transport. So if you want to make sure that your name is on it today, if you're going tomorrow, and if, if there's enough names, we can provide a minibus for you to travel. If not, um, You'll have to make your own way there to Dungannon. I'm sure you'll enjoy the meeting. This incoming week from tomorrow through to the following Monday, my wife and I, in the will of God, plan to be in Romania. I uh, would ask you to pray for this visit as we visit some of the works that we support and uh, seek to encourage God's people in that land. I'll not go into the detail now. Uh, we mentioned it briefly on the video uh, clip this morning, so... If you want to know a little bit about what's happening over the next week, we commend that video to you. Tuesday sees the recommencement of Youth Challenge. This is the children's meetings starting at 7 o'clock. So all the children, remember that, please. Tuesday night is the meeting for you. Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock is the school harvest, and David McCauley will be speaking And if you're free and able to go, you'll be made most welcome. Thursday night, the midweek service. And again, David will be the speaker. Uh, This time, he'll be giving a report on his visit to Uganda. I'm sure you'll look forward to that. Please do go along and attend. On Friday... We've got it done as the midweek service there. That's what threw me, a bit of hesitation. But it's the youth meeting. The youth meeting on Friday night, 8 o'clock. And our, our brother Greg Gibson, one of our students, will be speaking on the subject, how can God be both a God of love and a God of wrath? 
and young people. You'll want to hear that message, and we commend Friday night to you. It's your meeting. Next Lord's Day, prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, Sunday school, 10.30. And <clears throat> Mervyn, who hasn't been well this weekend, not able to be here with us, uh, hopefully will be back again, Phil filled in this morning, and uh, we thank him for that. But Mervyn should be back next week and dealing with the subject that he was to deal with this morning, the Bible's prophet. Worship service, 12 noon, Mr. Stephen Crawford from Macrofelt, one of her Bible college students, will be speaking. He'll be speaking at both meetings. Seven o'clock is the gospel meeting, and her brother Sam Houston will be the soloist. Sam has brought out a new CD. He would like to tell you about that next Sunday night. Refreshments will be served after the service, and ladies, if you can bring a small tray of buns or bars, we'd really appreciate that. Thank you again for your tithes, your offerings to God's work. And a special announcement now, I'm going to need you to start attending to this, the Hebron Church Christmas dinner in the Macraboy House Hotel will be on Friday the 2nd of December. You get a main course and a dessert, and we're asking you to look at the, the list. So you will see at the door, on the table there, there is a menu and it goes across turkey, beef, and uh, a vegetarian. You might be a vegetarian if you want a vegetarian meal. There's a, a space for that. And then if a child is receiving um, a meal, has half price, okay? Or if you want a kid's menu, there's a special price for that. That's lesser again, which will probably be chicken goujons or sausages or something like that there. And as always, we, we uh, cover the expense of our senior citizens. So if you're a senior, you, you don't need to pay, but you do need to say you're going so that we have you on this, okay? Thank you very much. We continue to remember the sick. Um, Dave Bevan is having a procedure today, so do remember him before the Lord. Uh, my mother-in-law, Joan, hasn't been well over the past few days, but is improving. Please remember her. Ivor's coming on well, and if everything comes together, we're hoping that he's able to get to the mission tonight. That's his plan, so you pray for him and his recovery. And remember our sister, Jean, and next-door neighbor, Martha, of course, and the others that are much in our thoughts and prayers on the prayer list. Everything to do with Ukraine, we continue to remember. We pray for all that's, that's happening in the country, and we ask the Lord to intervene as always. Bring the war to an end. That's our prayer. We'd also like to sincerely congratulate our sister Maud Graham. Uh, Maud reached her 90th birthday yesterday. We don't normally mention a lady's age, but when you get to 90, I think it's worth mentioning that you've had such a long time in this world. Uh, you remember our sister, please, before the Lord. We also congratulate Stephen on his 90th birthday. Sorry, his 60th birthday. And that's today, and that's Stephen McCauley. So that's, that's a significant. He's two-thirds the age of Maud, so he's pressing on like the rest of us toward the mark of these significant birthdays. We also welcome home uh, those that were in Ukraine. They went to bring, or in Poland, bringing funds to a needy people there. So that took place last weekend, and we're glad that the Lord kept them safe and brought them home safely. Just to announce also, some of you helped pack this pallet. It arrived safely last week in Romania. Thank you in the Savior's name. We made an appeal for the shoebox, uh, shoebox's gift, and want to thank all who helped. <clears throat> You'll recognize some of these people. So what is happening this time, we have arranged for the first time to actually do the packing of these shoeboxes in Romania. And so, God willing, on Tuesday, we will be at Deborah House, and we're going to get the girls. We think this is a good project for them to be involved in. They're going to do the packing of 140 shoeboxes. 100 is for Rekash, where there is a children's home and school for poor people, poor children, and then 40 for Moldovanoa for the Roma community there. So, we want to thank our friends from Romania. They went shopping yesterday to get the items 
and they were very, very busy uh, getting the trolleys organized and getting all this food, uh, not food, items, and I think there's some food in the form of sweets uh, to go into these shoe boxes. So thank you to Lucci and his family and to Graziella. Our brother Trevor Wiley has gone to Uganda, and he'll be covering uh, the pulpit there for the next four or five weeks. You, you remember Trevor at the throne of grace and prayer that the Lord will make his way prosperous. Our brother DePanker continues to teach the gospel. He's been able to get in to various homes and places to present Christ, pray for him. And just this week again, the monthly supply of food to the 90 orphan children in India that we support has been going out. And these are some of the children that were able to receive gifts. Thank you for all who are involved in this ministry. Now, we're going to sing a very important hymn because it's very much in keeping with the message today in the hymn book. It would be number 74. You're able to see it here on screen. What think you of Christ is the test to try both your state and your scheme. You cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. As Jesus appears in your view, as he is beloved or not, so God is disposed to you, and mercy or wrath is your lot. I want you to ponder what is being discussed in this hymn, this great question. It's the question that we come to today. What think ye of Christ? And we'll see the answers uh, given, especially that which Peter gave, and every child of God is able to identify with what Peter said. What think ye of Christ? Thank you. 
may be seated. We're continuing with our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we're turning to the 8th chapter again, reading the next little section from verse 27 through to verse 30. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, and verse 27 through to verse 30. Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi, And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth, and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. I want to speak on Christ's searching question and Peter's confession of faith. Who am I? And Peter's able to say, thou art the Christ. It's so important that you know Jesus as the Christ, that you know him today in your heart. And you're able to make such a confession as this. So as we come to the subject, we want to pray. We want to ask God to guide us, help us in the word. Lord, we turn aside just for a moment to seek the throne of grace, to seek the face of our God again, and to pray earnestly for the blessing of the Lord to be upon what we've read. And now as we study these verses, give us understanding, give us wisdom, Speak to our heart. We pray that every individual here will listen to the question that is being asked by the Savior and that they will be able to give the answer that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Christ in their life. And if they're not able to give that answer now, we pray that before the meeting is through, they will get to the place of salvation, the place of redemption, the place that puts them into Christ and be able to acknowledge him as the Christ of their lives, the one who is the promised one of God sent into the world to be the Savior of men. Hear this, our cry in Jesus' precious and lovely name we pray. Amen. When it comes to hymnology, John Newton is best known for his world-famous hymn, translated into nearly every language where the gospel has gone. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It was Newton's personal testimony to God's amazing grace that that reached him and plucked him as a brand from the burning and saved him, that wretched, ungodly man, young man that he had become. He was converted to Christ on the 21st of March, 1748, in a terrible storm that took place off the northwest coast of Ireland. However, John Newton wrote at least 280 hymns, one of which is based on Peter's great confession of faith recorded here in our text, also recorded in Matthew 16, verse 16, and in Luke's gospel, chapter 9 and verse 20. Newton's hymn declares one of the most important questions that can ever be asked or answered. What think ye of Christ? Indeed, this is the supreme test of all that we are and all that we believe. And the answer to that question will reveal not only our attitude towards Christ, but what our eternal standing is before a holy God. What think ye of Christ is the test to try both your state and your scheme. You cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. As Jesus appears in your view, as he is beloved or not, So God is disposed or disposed to you, and mercy or wrath is 
your lot? This is the question that Jesus Christ put to his disciples. First of all, in a general sense, when he said to them, whom do men say that I am? And there were several answers. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you are Elias or Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And uh, Matthew, who gives a fuller detail of what is happening here, he also includes the name of Jeremiah, or Jeremiah the prophet. Then comes the personal question. That's what men say. But whom say ye that I am? As he now addresses his disciples in a personal way. It's Peter who steps forward and he, he gives the answer. It's his personal testimony. It's his confession of faith. Thou art the Christ. Matthew gives a little bit more detail than Mark and more than Luke as well. Peter's full confession, you probably know it off by heart, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is at this precise moment, Matthew tells us, that Jesus declares these words to Peter. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ is built solidly and firmly upon Peter's confession of faith. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here is my standing. Here is my foundation. Here is my eternal security and yours. If you're a child of God, you're able to say with Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the confession of faith that belongs to every true child of God who has come to be anchored in the rock of ages. From the depths of our heart, we can resolutely declare these words, Thou art the Christ. But what does this statement really mean? Don't pass over this very powerful declaration that is just four words in the English language and incidentally it's just four words in the Greek language also. Don't pass over this statement without taking time to consider the full significance. Because what think ye of Christ is the test. As this question searches out our hearts and we seek before God to give a very honest answer, it will reveal the true state of our souls before God in the light of eternity. As Newton expresses in his hymn, you cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. You don't think rightly of Christ and you don't have a proper view of Christ and who he is, you're going to go wrong in every other aspect of your thinking. As we approach this subject, let me say to you that you ought to think about Christ. This is what the question is. What think, what think ye of Christ is the question of all questions. Sadly, there are some people and they do not think about him at all. Seems quite incredible that that could be so. But I would say, and I don't think I'm wrong, the vast majority of people in this town where we live, and the vast majority of people certainly through the world, do not think about Christ at all. They can go through a whole day without thinking about him. And that day is multiplied upon days until it's weeks and months and even years and in that period of years, they still do not think about Christ. You might ask, why should I think about him at all? You think about food and drink and money and clothes and amusements 
You think about your ambitions, your family, your enjoyments in this life, your employments, your problems and your trials undoubtedly are often in your thoughts and so on and so forth. You have plenty of time to think about these earthly temporal matters, but little or no time to think upon those things that are eternal and spiritual. Let preachers and old women and Sunday school children think about such things, but not me. I have no time in this world to think about such things. Your mind is constantly occupied by the things of this life and not the things of God. It pains my heart to realize that this is so for the vast majority of people round about. Indeed, that is the state of the thousands that surround us every day. They never go to church. They never read their Bibles. They never consider their souls. They never ponder their eternal well-being. They never think about Christ. The world in which they live is their God. That's what they worship every day. That's what they live for every day. I am putting it to you, therefore, in our approach to this subject, you ought to think about Christ. You ought to think about Christ because of who he is. You ought to think about him because what he has done. And you ought to think about him also because of what he is still to do. I'm not going to go into it in too much detail. We will cover it in this message, but you want to think about who he is. You ought to think about him because of who he is. The Redeemer, the only Savior, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who is the sustainer, upholds you every day, gives you breath in your body every second that you live. You ought to think about him. You ought to think about him because of what he has done. This is he who came into the world 2,000 years ago to go to the cross of Calvary and there die in the place of sinners, the great substitute, the one that took our place. That's what he did. He accomplished eternal redemption for all who believe. And you ought to think about him because what he is still to do. Because this Savior one day will be the judge. And he's going to sit upon his throne and you will be summoned before him. And there is a judgment day and you will give an account. And from that judgment seat you will be sentenced. If you know not Christ, you'll be sentenced to eternal damnation in hell forevermore. If you know the Savior, you'll hear the words come. Be blessed of my Father. So I'm saying to you, the question is, what think you of Christ? You ought to think about him because of who he is, what he's done, and what he is still to do. So we're thinking about the question that Jesus is asking here, and we're thinking about the answer, what those answers might be. And we will certainly come to Peter's confession of faith in the course of the message. But first of all, I want to say that in the unbelieving world, there are many opinions as to who Christ is. For those who do not truly know Jesus Christ as Savior, their, their thoughts and their opinions vary. There are those like the unbelieving religious Jews when Christ was on the earth. They scrutinized his life. They listened to his preaching. They watched his mighty deeds. They studied his example. And they made their assessments and they drew their conclusions of him. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not dead that long. And these people were acquainted with him. Very possible many of them saw him, heard him preach there so often down in the banks of the Jordan. And as they thought of Jesus, as Jesus stood before them, there was obviously a very strong resemblance between Christ and John the Baptist. This fiery, fearless, preacher of the gospel, this man who called the people to repentance, to turn from their sin, this man who was of rugged 
appearance. We know that Jesus himself had no form nor comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. He was just an ordinary man by appearance. And so when, when the question is asked, who do men say that I am? There were many who said, he must be John the Baptist. He's so like him. Then there were others and they said, he's Elijah. Elijah was to come again. He was to come back to this earth before the end of the world. And therefore, they likened him to Elijah. Elijah lived centuries before. And obviously, there were resemblances again between Elijah, John the Baptist, and Christ. They were very similar. And so people thought, this is Elijah. He's come back again. And then others said, he's Jeremiah. Especially in the latter part of the Lord's ministry, they would have seen his sorrow. They would have seen his tears. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was the one who wept over the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And it pained the heart of Jeremiah when he, he saw what happened to his nation. And his eyes ran down with tears. And his people in the days of Christ saw the sorrow of the Lord Jesus. They immediately thought, it's Jeremiah. He's come back. Or one of the prophets, there were maybe other prophets that people were thinking about. This must be one of them. So there were those that thought this way, and there are still people today who think this way. This is their opinion of Christ. He, he's like one of the great men of the Bible. But nothing more, just a prophet and nothing more. Then there are those from the world of false religion and cultism, and they have their opinions also of Christ. What think they of Christ? That's the great test of all, isn't it? Every single cult and false comparative religion has wrong views of Christ. Wrong views. You can examine them. You'll find that to be so. I don't need to go into all the, the cults and the, the comparative religions of today. But I will say this, and it is suffice to say this. Many of them think he's just a mere man. Nothing more. They deny his deity. He's not God. He's just a mere man. A good man. A man that we should take an example from. A man who had great teachings and we should follow his teachings, we should follow his examples, but they say he is a mere man. He is a created being. He's not eternal God. And then there are others, and they will tell you that he is an insufficient Christ. He didn't do enough when he came to this earth. And so therefore, in their religion, they have the work of Christ, but you have to add your works, you have to add your effort if you're going to be saved, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to put in your part. The work of Christ is not sufficient. And that really is a summary of every other false religion and cultism and cult in this whole world. Either Jesus is not who he says he is, he's not God, he's just a mere man, or else his work is insufficient. The great doctrines surrounding his person and work are often denied. And all you need to do is to take their beliefs to the light of Scripture. And if they speak not according to this word, as the prophet said, it's because there's no light in them. You measure up what others believe according to the great measurement, and that's God's word. And then there are those from the world of the ungodly. And they too have their opinions about Christ. Sadly, most of their thoughts are sinful and blasphemous. They constantly take his name in vain. Don't you hear it out there? Don't you hear it in your workplace? Don't you hear it in the street? Don't you hear it when you mix with the ungodly and they take his name in vain over and over again? They think little of that name. They're not ashamed to deny his deity, repudiate his miracles, oppose his teachings, reject his love, trample under feet his commandments and mock his cross and refuse his salvation. How wicked and sinful are the thoughts of their minds 
when it comes to the eternal and the infinite Son of the living God. Some in the world simply have missed the and vague thoughts of Christ. They do not deny his existence. No, not for one moment. They believe that he existed. They know that he is called the Savior of man. They know that he is the object of Christian worship. They have heard about him, heard about him in Sunday school. Anytime that they might come to the house of God, they hear about him in public worship, but they don't know him. And they have not grasped who he is and what he came to do. And their thoughts are foolish and light and at best careless. What think ye of Christ? The unbelieving world has many views of Christ. But let me say secondly, in the believing world of God's people, there can be only one answer to the question. And that's the declaration that Peter gives. Thou art the Christ. That's the only answer. This declaration is proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the promised one from the Old Testament times who would come to be the Savior of men. To say that he is the Christ is to proclaim all the great doctrines regarding his person and his work. You're able to say, Thou art the Christ. You are expressing the deity of Christ, that he is the Son of the living God, as Peter said. Matthew tells us that he said that. You are saying that Jesus Christ is God manifested in human flesh. You're not only proclaiming the deity of Christ, you are proclaiming the eternality of Christ, that he is everlasting. He's without beginning of days. He is without end of life. Jesus is eternal as God is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. You are also proclaiming the purity of Christ, both to his birth and his character. You're saying that Christ is the one that came in the fullness of time, was born of the Virgin Mary. He's pure above all purity when it comes to his birth into this world. And you're saying also he's pure regarding his character without sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. You are also proclaiming the remedy of Christ when you say thou art the Christ. He's the only answer for this fallen world. The only savior of a guilty, hell-deserving soul. The only way a man can be reconciled to God is through this blessed Redeemer who went to the cross for our sins. So you say, Thou art the Christ, the deity of Christ, the eternality of Christ, the purity of Christ, the remedy of Christ, and the sufficiency of Christ. He is all that I need. He is all that I could ever desire. As Charles Wesley said in his hymn, Thou, O Christ, art all I want. More than all in thee is found. That's how we feel as Christians. You say from your heart, Jesus is Christ. You're saying he's the all-sufficient one. I don't need anything more than him. Because of all this, the thoughts of true Christians are as high and as holy of Christ as we can imagine. He is the Christ. He is my Christ. It's as personal as that. We think of Christ in his wondrous person, the God-man, very God of very God, and very man of very man. As Bishop Ryle put it, a person who is at one and the same time perfect God, mighty to save, and perfect man, able to feel. We think of Christ in his blessed redemption. He's the all-powerful Redeemer who came into this world to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and deliver us from guilt and from hell itself. Yonder upon the cross of Calvary, he gave his life as a ransom price for you and I, and therefore you and I that are saved go free. We go free. We think of Christ in his loving friendship. What a blessing it is to have Christ as our friend. What a greater blessing to be regarded as friends of Christ. This friend who left heaven for us. This friend who came into the world for us. 
this friend who died upon the cross for us and rose again triumphantly for us that we might be saved forevermore. We think of Christ in his mighty kingship. He is the king right now. If you're a child of God, he's king of your life. But praise God, he's the coming king. He's coming one day to receive his people unto himself. One day we're going to see him as he is. We're going to rise to meet him. We're going to be with him. He has given to us eternal life and he has joined himself to us inseparably. The king is coming. He's coming to reward his faithful servants and great will be that reward. Happy are you and I that have such thoughts of Christ. What think you of Christ? There's only one answer if you're a child of God. Thou art the Christ. This statement of Peter. One final little thought to make. This question is better answered now than in eternity. In eternity, it will be too late to do anything with Christ. There is coming a day when you will give answer. If you die without the Lord, it will be a forced answer. We're told that there's coming a day when every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day will be too late for you to do anything about your soul's salvation or to come to know him personally as the Christ of your life. When Jesus comes or when you stand before him at the great judgment day, it will be too late to answer this question. You must answer it now and answer it well. It is of vital and eternal importance that you've got right thoughts of Christ now while you live, while you have breath in your body. I would appeal to you this day to have right thoughts of Christ, to possess the confession of Peter, to be able to say and know it in your heart, thou art the Christ. Awaken to see the value of your soul, your immortal soul. Understand the importance of being saved by grace, by this Christ who came to save you. Break off from sin and the world. Do not rest until you come to rest in Christ's all-atoning, all-sufficient work at the cross of Calvary. If you have not done so already, call upon the name of the Lord that you might be saved. And so we close the meeting today in light of God's word asking this question. Oh, not the general question, what do men say? What do people out there say? We're asking you the question. As personally as Jesus asked it on this occasion, what think you of Christ? Wherever you're sitting in this meeting, Man, woman, boy, and girl, what think ye of Christ? What's your answer? Can you say he's the Christ? He's my Christ. He's redeemed me. He saved me. I know him. Because nothing else will do. May you come to have a true confession of faith in the person and the work of Christ and know him today as your Savior. Let's have a word of prayer. Our God and Father, we recognize the importance of the question asked by the Savior himself. Who do you say that I am? So many in the building here and others that are tuning in on the internet are able to say with Peter, we know who you are. Thou art the Christ. You're the chosen one. You're the one sent into the world to be my Savior. You've got the anointing of God upon you. You came to this world to die upon the cross for my sin. Thou art the Christ, this promised Messiah, 
of whom the Old Testament prophets said would be wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. Lord, we're very conscious that there are some who do not have a true confession of faith. They don't know Christ today. Christ is not theirs. They couldn't stand up in this meeting and say with confidence and with assurance in their heart, thou art the Christ and you're my Christ. Oh God, we pray that you will bring them to that place. You will save them by your grace. And those of us who can say in truth that he is the Christ, Lord, may we live accordingly. May we live every day knowing Christ with us to guide us, knowing that he's watching us, he's walking with us. Oh, keep us from sin, keep us from failure, keep us from backsliding, keep us from sliding even to into a state of lukewarmness. May we not leave our first love. Lord, keep us where we ought to be every day with Christ, persevering, going on in the faith, walking with him every day. Keep us, Lord, with our eyes fixed upon the author and the finisher of our faith, who is Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a lovely hymn in her hymn book 65. Fairest of all the earth beside, chiefest of all unto thy bride, fullness divine in thee I see, wonderful man of Calvary. That man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free, blessed man of Calvary. If you're a child of God, you'll be able to sing this with meaning in your heart, the one that has won your heart to himself. Let's think of these words as we sing.
question before you leave. What think you of Christ? That's the test. Jesus Christ is asking the, the question. What do you say? What do you say? What do you think of me? Not what others are saying. You personally. What think you of Christ? And if you can't give a good answer to that, you need to get right with God and come to that place where as a child of God, you have good thoughts and high thoughts and honorable thoughts of this blessed man of Calvary. Dismiss us now, Lord, with your blessing. Apply your word to every heart. And Lord, may we have right thoughts of Christ. How important it is as it will declare the state of our heart and what we are before God and what our future is. We pray that you will do a work of grace in every heart now and help us to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Help us to love him and walk with him daily. For those that know not Christ, may they come to him and get to know him.